Tell me again, if you stole a whole bunch of money and had to explain it, uh, like how you suddenly got rich, what would you say? I mean, I know you wouldn't steal a bunch of money, but hypothetically speaking, what story would you concoct? Uh, inheritance or lottery. But inheritance is a safer choice, I think, because depending on the state, lottery winners are public information. And I don't need people like, you know, knocking on my door, you know, just right. like stopping me on the street or whatever. Exactly. Because people can fact check lottery winnings. It's a lot harder to fact check inheritance because that stuff's not public information. So saying that all the money you stole came from the lottery isn't the best way to cover your tracks in general. And it's a horrible way to try to cover your tracks if you stole all that money from the lottery. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where our criminals don't burn their victims' bodies so much as they erase their victims' hard drives. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. Uh, Caleb, before we get into it, as we're wont to do, I would love to read a listener review real quick. Is that okay? It is okay. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. This one comes from listener Mighty Law. It says, quote, as a CPA of 20 plus years and an ex-Mormon descended from polygamists, this is my favorite podcast. Great stories, well-researched and thoroughly entertaining five stars. If you're wondering why anyone would include the detail about being descended from polygamists in their review, check out episode 40, The Case of the Polygamist with More Fraud Charges Than Wives. It's fun for the whole family, unless it's a polygamous family. If you like Oh My Fraud, please take a minute to write us a review. Who knows? We might even read yours on the show. Likely, we will read yours eventually on the show. (laughs) Yes. Also, if your firm is looking for in-house ethics or fraud training that doesn't suck, we do that. And don't worry, we can work clean. We're professionals. If you want more info on pricing and availability, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. Okay, Caleb. So changing subjects. Uh, right uh, now, I just, I, I just shortly before recording, I checked the Mega Millions jackpot and it is four hundred and ninety-three million dollars. But but that's that's if you get the like the annuity. So the four hundred ninety-three okay. million that gets paid out in twenty-nine annual payments. I did the math because I have Excel, and that turns out to be <laughs> seventeen million dollars per year. Okay, for twenty-nine years, and after taxes, I'm I'm estimating that that is roughly giving you about ten million dollars per year after taxes the cash option it's fun that if you look on the website they give you the cash option the cash option oh. for this one is 231 million you know they say estimated cash yep. option um so after taxes the cash option would leave you about a 135 million in one lump sum so caleb do you take the 29 year annual payment or the one-time lump sum cash option now remind me why the big difference between the cash option and is it is it discounted the discounted uh, what it, what is the time value of money is that that's what it, it is yeah it's yeah, those calculations okay. that when you first had to do it in like 
advanced accounting intermediate accounting you, one yeah yeah you you like everybody was like this makes no sense and i need to find a new like major right it kind of yeah. it kind of broke it kind of broke my brain i remember yeah when, I, when we the, the whole idea of the time yeah. value of money um to answer your question i know this goes against the conventional wisdom but i think i want the 29 year annual payment okay because, because right that the conventional wisdom is to take the lump sum is it not i uh, i think I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think most people. I, I don't know if it's conventional wisdom, but most people, myself included, generally, if it's like, are you going to take the payout or are you going to take a lump sum? They go, give me that lump sum. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd just be an exciting day in your household every single day for like three decades. Uh, like you'd get so used to it that then the ten million dollars just drops into your bank account. You'd just forget about it. Like, oh, oh, oh my you god! Mean like the day I, that one day yeah. every year when you yeah, know it's coming. It's like yeah, it, it's it's like oh. Oh Christmas my God. Eve times next week. 10 million. Next, yeah, next Friday is the $10 million payday. Oh, right, right. and then you th- and then and then you throw a party. Right. <laughs> it's fucking, right, right, right. It's fucking great. Totally. I don't know. That's that's just me. Like uh, yeah, like I said, maybe that goes against the conventional wisdom. You know, because I honestly, I I I you know, I cannot stand when the lottery jackpots get up this high. I I cannot stand the tax planning articles that fucking oh. just come out of the woodwork in the mass yeah. media. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I wrote I I wrote like all kinds of like breathless screeds about like <laughs> hating on all this yeah. the tax planning and all this shit about winning the lottery. Right. Just like you won the fucking lottery. Just enjoy it. Right, right, right. Idiots. Yeah. Just, just, just don't be a dummy. I mean, because yeah. it reminds me of it the ruins, guy. It ruins people's lives plenty. Right, but, right, right. But also, right, let's not ruin it with tax planning also. Oh, 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 oh you mean the lottery ruins people's lives in general. Oh, so yeah. Don't, oh, don't, yes. Don't screw oh, up yeah. people's lives even more by f- like forcing them to plan how they pay their, how they minimize their taxes on their winnings. That's right. Yeah. Nice, nice. I, lo- yeah. I love that. Oh, which which actually leads me to the next question. Okay. If you had this ungodly amount of money, yeah. what would just I mean, you gotta I gotta know, what would you spend your money? What would you spend these lottery riches on Caleb Newquist? Oh yeah, I know, I love this. Um I I like traveling and I like cities. Yeah. So uh uh I I would probably buy a lot of pied de terres, you know. Um which I means to, uh, small, to us uh, unclassy uh, people that don't know French. It's yeah. just a, it's a, it's a, usually a small apartment used for occasional use. Oh, gotcha. So you just, you just buy some properties in, in cool places that you like to yeah, travel yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. So like yeah. I used to live in New York, so I, I, and I love New York. So like yeah. I'd probably splurge in New York. Like I'd get a brownstone there. Mm-hmm. So I'd buy a brownstone there. Okay. I like London. Yeah. London, you can get anywhere in the world from London. So to have a place there would be good. Yeah. And I like San Francisco, so you can get so you can get to Asia easier. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd have those three, and then I'd kind of scope out the rest <laughs> to see if like, oh, is it going to be Singapore? Is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be Cape Town? You know, you figure these things out. You know, right. when you're rich. Yeah, um, and you got you and, got ten million a year, so it's basically every year you yeah. you got a whole year to figure out where the next one is well, that you're gonna buy. And the other thing too is like, aside from the brownstone in 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 New York, you know, I don't need like extravagant places in every city. I can right. have you know, you can have a flat, you know, and, yeah, for and sure. that's all you need. Right, right. So it's not it doesn't have to be something that's gonna cost. Five million of your ten million yeah. that you get every yeah. year. Yeah, I be, mean you can get you could, a, you you get could really studios. You could really uh, slum it and get a one million. A very <laughs> nice, uh, a very what, nice pied, studio pied for a million. Bucks. What do you call it? Pied a terre. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. there we go. Good. There you go. And then on the ultra, uh, kind of on the altruistic side, uh, uh-huh. I would definitely buy land and for conservation. Like I would just buy land and and undevelop it essentially. Cool. That's amazing. I think so. I'd like to think so. That's a that's a fun that's a very fun plan. That's um, a very yeah, and you know, smug, slightly smug. It, okay, there's a little bit of that with the yeah, the <laughs> yeah, whenever you have whenever your plan in, includes a French term, it's a pretty it's <laughs> it's a smug plan without a doubt. Uh, the reason any of this is relevant to our fraud podcast is because today we're going to look at a case where a guy stole millions from his employer and his employer was the multi-state lottery association. You might not believe it, but lotteries have been around in the United States since colonial times. Jamestown, Virginia funded lotteries to support the colony And at some point, every one of the 13 original colonies had a lottery. It's weird to me that Puritans were cool with the lottery. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like I I, like there's so many things that they're not cool with. Like gambling. Yeah. Let's sure do it all day long. A game, a game of chance. Right. The, the <laughs> Lord, figure, the you, Lord doesn't have any problem with the with a game of chance. Right. But they, yeah, apparently, so many things are against, but not this. Yes. Good. Good point. Beginning in the 1830s, public opinion started to change for religious and moral reasons, as well as a loss of public trust due to corruption and various scandals. By 1890, the only states with lotteries were Delaware and Louisiana. And that kind of makes sense in a strange way. And by 1895, there was a complete prohibition of lotteries throughout the United States. They started popping back up in 1934 when Puerto Rico started one. The next one was in 1964 in New Hampshire. Today, there are only four states that do not indulge in lottery sales. Neither Alabama nor Utah have lotteries for religious reasons. I can attest to that. Tracks. Nevada doesn't have a lottery because they want people to lose money in their casinos. And no one knows why Hawaii doesn't have a lottery. It's a mystery. It's there's no no explanation. No explanation. Greg, do you remember ever watching the ping pong ball lottery uh, draws on TV? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Back back in the day in Washington State, which by the way, I did find out Washington State started having lotteries in 1982. Uh, and I vaguely remember sort of this new, exciting, well, you can win a million dollars. You're going to be yeah. set for life with a million dollars. That's unreal. Uh, yeah. And uh, and yeah, we, they would have the draws on uh, on TV and we would actually watch them from time to time. Yeah. Nice. Well, you might not believe it, but the biggest lotteries, Powerball and Mega Millions, still select their winning numbers using the old school ping pong ball style lottery machines. But there are a lot of lotteries that have switched over to random number generators. Just about a year ago, Lotto America switched from numbered balls to a digital draw system. Now, we weren't able to find an accurate statistic on what percent of lotteries use number balls versus lotteries that use random number generators because there are a million different ways to do lotteries across 46 states and they're all regularly changing how they select their winning numbers. In the summer of 2014, Rob Sand, who was the youngest member of the Iowa Attorney General's office, was given a weird case. 
uh, because at the end of 2013, somebody played the hot lotto and won a $16.5 million jackpot. But listen, the ticket didn't get claimed until the afternoon of the very last day of the one-year claim period. The winning ticket was physically presented to the Iowa Lottery Claims Office by a lawyer who was claiming the prize on behalf of a trust that had been established in Belize. Hmm. Does that sound sketchy? That's uh, it's mildly suspicious. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the problem. An anonymous trust can't claim a winning ticket because in Iowa, there's a rule that lottery winners must be identified. So those, those Iowans, though, they're, they're sticklers when they, it comes to their, their, their lottery they, winnings. They do they, that out. They have some very peculiar rules and we'll get into <laughs> even more of them a little bit later on. But because of this rule, their last minute claim was denied. The clock ran out. And the unclaimed $16.5 million jackpot went back into the coffers of the Iowa lottery. So, yeah, that was weird. But according to the doctrine of no harm, no foul, the story should have ended there. But the attorney general's office wasn't ready to let it go for several reasons. First off, a veteran executive of the Iowa lottery said that in her entire tenure, she had never seen a payout of over a million dollars go unclaimed believable so that adds to the weirdness which but have you i've always thought about that and i go there's got to be people who buy tickets and and misplace them and that there's absolutely big big jackpots that go unclaimed but apparently that does not happen very often according to this senior executive of the iowa lottery hence the added weirdness yes Second, and more importantly, about a month earlier, an attorney from Canada named Philip Johnston called the Iowa Lottery Office. He said that he had the ticket, and he even gave the correct 15-digit serial number. The Lottery Office asked him what he was wearing when he purchased the ticket. Kind of a weird question. Yeah. (laughs) Johnston said he was wearing... It's like, hey, that's the right ticket number. What are you wearing? (laughs) What are you wearing? (laughs) Oh, I mean, what were... Sorry, what were you wearing when you bought bought the ticket? (laughs) Right. Johnston said he was wearing a sports coat and gray flannel dress pants. And that was the wrong answer. (laughs) You see... Since the prize was so large, the lottery office went to the quick trip convenience store where the winning ticket had been purchased and obtained the surveillance video of the person who bought the winning ticket. That guy was wearing jeans and a hoodie and a baseball hat. Now, you might still be thinking, who the fuck cares? Well, Iowa fucking cares because they also require that the person who claims a winning ticket must also be the person who bought the winning ticket, which is so weird. I had no idea that that was ever a rule because that basically means you can't gift someone a lottery ticket, at least right. not in Iowa, I, right. at least not in Iowa. And I'm, and I know that it's not that they don't have those same laws in other states, but yeah, like I said, that was. That's, that seems like a very peculiar and specific law to the state of Iowa. As someone who grew up next door to Iowa, I can confirm that they're a bunch of fucking weirdos. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. I didn't know there was, there was love you, Nebraska, Iowa. Iowa beef, but here it is. L- love you, Iowa, but <clears throat> you're a bunch of fucking weirdos. Bunch of fucking weirdos. Okay. 
When they told Philip Johnston about that, he admitted to telling a fib and said that he was really just assisting a client who won but didn't want to be identified. Like we said earlier, winners had to be identified. So Johnston withdrew his claim to the winning ticket, which raised even more red flags because who the hell thinks their anonymity is worth more than $16.5 million? Yeah. That's, Anyone? That's bizarre. Not me. No. Not me. Not me. You can, I'll give you my social security number for $16.5 million. <laughs> yeah. But wait, there's more. After the last minute Belizean trust situation transpired, the attorney general's office did a little digging and found out that the president of the trust was Philip fucking Johnston. The lawyer from Canada. Hey folks, Caleb Newquist here, co-host of Oh My Fraud. If you're an advertiser or marketer who wants to reach an engaged audience of accounting and finance professionals, why not advertise on Oh My Fraud? Use our self-service ad platform to browse our inventory and book the slots that fit your marketing budget. From there, it will only be a matter of time before you hear us telling our listeners your company's story. Head over to ohmyfraud.com slash sponsor to get your campaign started. That's ohmyfraud.com slash sponsor. I have no idea how anyone thought this was a good use of taxpayer funds, but the AG's office wanted more answers. Uh, I guess there, there were just so many red flags about this that they assumed somebody somewhere was doing something illegal. And not to mention, they the, the attorney general whose firsthand account I read, he said that he was worried about the safety of the guy in the video that actually bought the ticket. He was worried that that guy's carcass was rotting in the middle of some Iowa cornfield. So the AG's office sent investigators to go talk to Johnston up in Canada. Uh, Johnston pointed them in the direction of a Texas businessman named Robert Rhodes. And when they went looking for Robert Rhodes down in Texas, he basically just never answered his door and he never answered his phone until the investigators gave up. So weird uh, upon weird and super suspicious, but still none of that's criminal. You were just just uh, more patient than the Iowa investigators were. And I was gonna, I was going to say, did the investigators give up easy? Because like. I I, usually investigators aren't known for giving up easy. It, in, in the account, it said that they waited for days at okay. his house and he ne either never came out or never came home. Wow. So yeah, okay. this was, yeah, he was, he, he was, he was clearly trying to avoid them. I am, I am satisfied. Yeah. I am satisfied. So at this point, the AG's office decided to release the video, including the audio, to the public. And not long afterwards, listen, no less than four people, all of whom worked for various lotteries, positively identified the guy who purchased the mystery ticket by his voice. Here's a quote from the book, The Winning Ticket. It says, at the Multi-State Lottery Association, a receptionist watched the video, then handed her earbuds to Noelle Kruger, another employee, and told her to listen without saying what she was listening to. Why am I listening to a tape of Eddie talking, she replied. 
By Eddie, she met Eddie Tipton, their co-worker. He was the security director for the Multi-State Lottery Association. everybody knows that people who work for the lottery can't win the lottery. But it's not a crime to simply buy a ticket if you work for the lottery. So the AG's office still needed to find an actual crime. They sent investigators to talk to Eddie. Eddie told them that he had moved to Iowa from Houston. It just so happens that the mysterious Robert Rhodes was also from Houston. Eddie also explained his job, that he was the security director, not just physical security. Physical security was part of the job. So I guess that means he was kind of like a bouncer for the lottery office. Right. Like if if people were like, no, check the numbers again. If they did that too many times, he had right. to, he he was the guy who was like, uh, I think it's time for you to leave the office of the multi-state yeah, lottery. Out on yeah. their ass they went. Yeah. I yes. think maybe something like that. Yeah. Not totally sure though. But he was also the guy who wrote the computer programs that draw the winning numbers. Now, I don't know many bouncers that are also computer programmers, but nevertheless. Now you know one. There you go. After the interview, the investigators did a little digging and discovered that Eddie and Robert Rhodes were connected on LinkedIn, which maybe doesn't mean anything. Just one more reason to not be on LinkedIn. Yeah, got that right. But LinkedIn showed them that Eddie and Robert went to the University of Houston together and had the same major. It also showed that Eddie used to work for a company founded by Robert. Huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pulling on your call a little bit. Yikes. It doesn't take the Manhattan Project to connect the dots here. The guy who wrote the program that picks the winning numbers for the lottery knew what the winning numbers were going to be. He bought the winning ticket and the video showed that he picked his own numbers, even though the vast majority of tickets sold are quick picks. And he had his old college buddy claim the ticket because he was prohibited from doing it himself. In Iowa, it was a class D felony to attempt to influence the winning of a lottery prize through the use of fraud, deception, or tampering with lottery equipment. Eddie told investigators that he was in Texas on the day that the ticket was purchased, but his cell phone records showed that he was in Iowa. Uh-oh. <laughs> his credit card records showed that he had rented a silver Ford Edge, the same car that the purchaser in the video was driving. Oh, no. <laughs> Not looking good. The attorney general's office had enough evidence to file charges, so they did, and Eddie was arrested. In October 2015, a jury convicted Eddie Tipton of falsely attempting to redeem a lottery ticket and tampering with lottery equipment. Unsurprisingly to the prosecution, Eddie appealed the decision, but then right near the end of 2015, the prosecutor received a phone call. An anonymous tipster informed him that, quote, Eddie's brother Tommy Tipton won the lottery, maybe about 10 years back, somewhere out west, maybe Colorado. Since Eddie had appealed, that meant more evidence could be gathered and submitted. So the AG's office obviously looked into Tommy's jackpot. Before this, the AG didn't have any evidence that Eddie had rigged any other lotteries, but they were pretty damn sure that this wasn't Eddie's first rodeo. Here's another quote from that book, The Winning Ticket. It says, 
not only had Tommy Tipton won a lottery, but he had also had another person claim the ticket for him. And turns out it was another manual play win rather than a quick pick ticket. And on top of that, Tommy and his friend then made some poor decisions that led to an FBI interview. So here's what happened. Buckle up, because this is where a weird story gets plenty weirder. Tommy was in Colorado on a Bigfoot hunt. Yeah, a Bigfoot hunt, because he was a member of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And what are you going to do? Be a member of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization and not go on a Bigfoot hunt? No, you're going to go you're going to go hunt for a fucking Bigfoot. So while he was in Colorado, he didn't find Bigfoot, but he did win a $500,000 lottery jackpot. Tommy said his marriage was in the toilet and he didn't want his wife to find out that he won the lottery. So he gave one of his Bigfoot hunting friends a 10% cut of the jackpot for cashing the ticket on his behalf. But then Tommy was left with this suitcase apparently full of sequentially ordered bills that apparently came directly from the treasury and were wrapped with those little paper wrappers that say this money came directly from the treasury. I don't know. Something like that. He didn't these like guys it. Obviously. Yeah. These guys maybe also didn't know much about Watergate. I don't know. I, right. But, exactly. But, but one way or another, Tommy didn't, he didn't like but that. He didn't, li- he didn't like that. Okay. He didn't like it at all. So he so maybe him, he does know Watergate. Maybe Sorry. he did. Yeah. He well. Here's the thing. Bigfoot hunters, if anything looks suspicious, <laughs> they're gonna. <laughs> they don't like that, especially no. if it has anything to do with the government. They're gonna try to remedy that as quickly That's as right. possible. Yep. It's like so, what are they hiding? So here's what he did. He went to another buddy, a guy who ran a fireworks stand and asked him to trade uh, his nice, crisp, sequential uh, $450,000 for his buddy's $450,000 of beat-up fireworks stand money because apparently just after the 4th of July, fireworks stands have a ridiculous amount of just cash around. Just a sweaty, sweaty pile right. of money. fucking... You know, cash money that's been in a 13 year old's pocket while they rode their bicycle to the fireworks stand. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Absolutely. But obviously, this seemed super suspicious to the fireworks guy. So what did he do? He called the FBI. The FBI got a hold of Tommy. They questioned Tommy and he told them this entire story and it all seemed super weird, but none of it was illegal. It looked like money laundering, but if you listen to episode 52 of this podcast, you'll remember that you can't be guilty of money laundering if you got the money legally. And this guy's a Bigfoot hunter, so the money laundering wasn't the weirdest part of his story, not by a long shot. The Attorney General's office continued to look for other lottery wins tied to Eddie Tipton. They found out that Robert Rhodes won a $2 million Wisconsin lottery jackpot in 2007. That, the luck that guy has. Unbelievable. Some, some people, some guys, some guys can't. What? No? no. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's who oh, they okay. wrote that song about. It was oh, apparently Robert okay. Rhodes. Nice, nice. They also found a guy named Billy Kahn 
who won a $644,000 jackpot in the Oklahoma lottery in 2011. Oklahoma, where the winds... How does that one go? Where, oh, Oklahoma, where the feet are big. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. Yep. Billy turned out to be a Bigfoot hunting friend of Tommy Tipton. And there was a $22,000 Kansas jackpot that was won by one of Eddie's old girlfriends. They also were able to discover Eddie's malicious random number generating code on a machine in Wisconsin. With all this new evidence, the Iowa attorney general had more ammo to use against Eddie, and they decided to indict Tommy as well. They both agreed to a plea bargain in exchange for telling the attorney general everything about how they pulled off the biggest lottery scam in U.S. history. The hot lotto lottery died and was replaced by Lotto America, the game I talked about at the top of the show. That's the one that started out as a numbered ball pick game to increase trust in the results, but just one year ago, switched to a digital draw system. So this was the biggest lottery scandal in U.S. history, but not the only lottery scandal in U.S. history. In 1980, Nick Perry, the guy who was in charge of drawing the Pennsylvania lottery, replaced the regular balls with weighted balls. All the balls were weighted except four and six, making them much more likely to be drawn. After the draw, he replaced the regulation balls and burned his weighted balls with fire. It was a triple pick game, and his deal with the devil was complete when 666 was drawn and he won big. But authorities were already tipped off to the scheme because of, quote, unusual betting patterns, which I guess means too many tickets were sold with lots of fours and lots of sixes. Okay, Greg, uh, did we learn anything? Uh, yeah, well, we were at least, like often happens, we are at least reminded of some things. Yes, at the very least, we yeah, were reminded so, of some things. For instance, there were a couple of red flags that stuck, stood out. Okay. Uh, one of those was that Eddie owned an 8,500-square-foot home that included mm. a 20-seat theater room and a basketball court in the basement. Okay. Um, I got to believe not too many people with state agency jobs can afford an 8,500 square foot home with a 20 seat theater and a basketball court in the basement. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe heads of security at uh, lottery <laughs> associations are, are handsomely paid. Greg. Right. I well, don't and, know. And the guy, and, and that's the thing. He probably was well compensated <clears throat> because he clearly was uh, good at the computer stuff. <laughs> And computer stuff. That's one way to you, put it. Computer stuff usually pulls in a good paycheck, but I don't think 8,500 square foot home good. How, how big's your home, Caleb? Not 8,400 square feet. I My my home, it has uh, 2,222 square feet in it. Are you and serious? Are you it, fucking with me? Th- no, that's why. That's how I can remember it is because wow, it's that's just hilarious. all twos. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, ours is, yeah, ours is, I don't know the exact, you know, these are not details that I commit to memory, yeah. but it's around, it's probably around 3,000. So his, his home, three to four times bigger than my home. Yep. And the funny thing is, you know, I don't know if this is relevant or not. He, he's a single guy, no kids, so... He uh, he does space for one dude. I mean, it's not like you know. You can say, does he need all that room for his family? No, because he doesn't have one. It's just him. But even if he had a family, you don't still need eighty five hundred square feet. So, um, so anyways, so we know that 
living beyond your means is the single biggest red flag that someone is committing fraud. So there's that. We've covered that a million times. Here's another interesting tidbit about Eddie. Uh, In Texas, when Eddie was younger, he had two non-felony convictions, one for theft and one for burglary. Uh, Yeah, so that was on his record, and that probably should have disqualified him from the job of security director at any company, including (laughs) the Multi-State Lottery Association. So next thing we're reminded of, background checks, very important. Uh, if your company's not doing them on people in key positions, uh, you can do, you can still do background checks on people. Even after the fact might feel a little weird, might feel a little intrusive, but also, um, might be very well worth the money and time spent to do it. Uh, another thing that I learned, and again, Caleb, it it seems like every, I think we can say every single fraud is the result of poor internal controls. I can't think of a one. Because if there was that would, if there were that were that were that did not have poor internal controls. Well, and even logically, controls of some kind. Yeah, even logically, yeah. If there are internal controls that are working properly, the fraud wouldn't. uh, Right. Like I can never remember a podcast that we've done, Greg, where you said to me, Caleb, there are actually some pretty solid controls in this case, (laughs) and yet. The masterminds of this fraud right. slipped right by them. Like right. you never said Ex- that to me. Exactly. Because so. like, uh, like I, I'd like to think that in Die Hard, they had really yes. good controls. Uh, but the the bad guys, you know, they had a, a big mechanical safe cracking device. So that's that might be an example. Right. Of internal controls being in place. But somebody just brute force overwhelming them bank Wait, are you robberies talking about, are you talking about die hard with a vengeance which one are you talking about die hard the first one they had the, the they had all the they had all the all the bearer bonds in the in the uh oh in the, the bearer bonds yeah yes, the bearer bonds and they had the big drill that was going in that was yes, uh, yeah yes, come yes, on yes, yes. yeah that's good gotta remember yeah, that one only at, Chris, bearer only at bonds. christmas do you remember only studying about bearer bonds i do remember studying do. about bearer bonds <laughs> as well and, it, and, and I die think, hard came up die, die hard came up did uh, it when, then when i learned it. oh it absolutely did oh yeah. no kidding i yeah. i was like okay are those real well i think yeah I not mean, anymore. Like, Nobody. They don't use it right. Anymore. Exactly. Even when we were studying it in school, they were like, "Okay, uh, apparently I have to teach you about bear bonds because it's in the <laughs> right. textbook." But just right. so you know, this isn't nobody a thing uses anymore. these. Nobody yeah, has. Yeah, but what's weird? Lottery tickets actually very similar to bear bonds. They are when you think about it. So, uh, so the, the internal controls in this case kind of sucked. Uh, they looked okay <laughs> on the outside, but they were actually crap. There's an organization called Gaming Labs International, or GLI. It's this independent third party that approves all of the multi-state lottery associations, lottery machines. And so here's another quote from the book, The Winning Ticket. It says, around 2008, Eddie would send GLI the pure source code. That's the code that a human could read to review and confirm that it was a random number generator. GLI would review it to ensure that it was what it was supposed to be. And then watch Eddie compile it to compile code is to turn it into ones and zeros. Like a computer would read. Uh, They'd watch through a remote connection uh, through which GLI could view Eddie's computer desktop. 
Before 2008, Eddie Tipton would just send a single email to GLI. Both source code and compile code were attached with an understanding that they were the same code, but no means of verifying that. Just, you know, scouts honor. So uh, clearly not the, uh, not the glaring holes in the internal I think, controls. I think you and I have well established and I mean, a lottery association is not necessarily a small business, but if you're going on the honor system, yeah, you're going to get ripped off. Yeah, you are. It's and, just a matter of time. But like also it's just the right, the right person in the right situation is going to take advantage of your, your little honor system. Exactly. But, but uh, will you concur that from the outside this looks very legit where it's like, oh my gosh, we have an independent outside party called oh, sure. Gaiden Labs International that oh, would yeah. use all of our code before it's installed into a machine. And that's true, but yes. not in a manner whereby you can't sneak malicious code in. Right. So some of Eddie's winnings, they came before 2008 with the lax codes, but most of it came after 2008, uh, even with the more robust controls, but there were still flaws even with the more robust controls. GLI could only see one of Eddie's monitors, even though they knew that he had multiple monitors, and they couldn't actually physically see Eddie himself. They just saw his monitor. So he was apparently pulling some shenanigans, or kind of like a magician doing a magic trick where they're like they're distracting the GLI with the one monitor they could see while behind the scenes he's you know inserting the code that actually allows him to know what the winning numbers are going to be. Right. One last thing that I thought yes. was interesting that I learned about this case was, uh, and, and this goes back to our perennial discussion of was justice served. Um, oh. and, and one of the things that, because the book, the winning, the winning ticket, that was my main mm -hmm. source for this entire podcast. And it was written by the attorney general who, uh, who who investigated this case and okay. he he brought up something very interesting where it's kind of kind of some of the calculus that uh, that organizations like the attorney general office does when they're doing things like sentencing and things like that because he was talking about how with financial crimes well I guess first off he was talking about non-financial crimes he says if somebody if you murder somebody there's no way to pay that back. Uh, right. You can't bring a dead person back to life. So the way justice is served is by punishing the person. You just have to punish. It's just through punishment. And that's yep. it. Punitive. Exactly. Financial crimes, different because justice is served if the people who were robbed get all their money back. Yeah, and restitution so is made. Exactly. So, yep. which I think really adds an interesting light to a lot of our prior conversations about mm -hmm. justice because, yeah. That makes sense. It's if if the if the uh, party that got stolen from gets all their money back, you know, again, the doctrine of no harm, no foul. We're all good. <laughs> Let's move on. So, uh, with, but because of that, with not just with sentencing, but even with the way that a lot of criminals get released, you know, because we talk mm -hmm. about they got, you know, what Tipton, I think, got 25 years because of what Ooh. he did. And okay. he, I think he got out after five years or less. Okay. But the AG, he's all good with that because he's like, Eddie needs to start working to pay back some of the money that he stole. 
And you know what he can't do while he's in jail? He can't earn money to pay back any of the money that he stole. He can't can't commit another fraud to pay back millions of dollars. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. There's well, there's that too. But if he as long as he steals from someone that's not the multi-state lot, somebody who deserves as long as he's like a Robin Hood kind of stealing, then maybe that's okay. Yeah. What about you? Anything that stuck out to you? I mean, you know, the lottery is, um, it's, it, I don't play the lottery. So to me, it's uh, like, I, I, I have less of a fascination of with it than, than that you do, but it is still, um, I, I, I guess the, um, it kind of reminds me of a quote that I, I am not going to remember, which is a weird <laughs> thing to say. It reminds me of a quote that I can't remember, but the ingenuity. You just, you of, just stop. It reminds me of a quote I can't remember. Well, yeah. that's it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. No, the 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 ingenuity of fraud uh, never ceases to amaze me. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, like, I think this is an example of where yeah. somebody's just like, we got access to a lot of fucking money. So let's figure out how to get some, you yeah. know, and they yeah, figured yeah. it out. And totally. I mean, there's, there's obviously, you know, there's fucking Bigfoot people and there's other, these weird other <laughs> yeah. things that are involved, yeah, yeah. which make it a awesome story. But yeah, the, the cleverness and the ing- ingenuity of like, of, of, of fraud is, is, is on, is on display here. And, uh, I, I have a, I have a, while I don't condone it, I, I can appreciate it. Yeah. I you think. can, you can respect it. Which is yeah. which is funny because the attorney general says basically that exact same thing in the book. And what's interesting when when Eddie and Tommy were spilling their guts after the plea deal, yep. um, some of the it, it was interesting the way that Eddie framed all of his evil doings. It, sort of in the in the rationalization side of the mm-hmm. of the fraud triangle. Because on the one hand, he 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 kept insisting that he never had some master plan to rip off the 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 lottery what he what he was is he was a dude who who prided himself on being the smartest guy around ah. and so he was like going i wonder if there's a way i, I think there's he even told a story of some accountant going well now that you're programming how the 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 random number generators work you're probably going to be winning a lot of those lotteries yuck <laughs> yuck yuck and then he was yeah. like hmm, maybe i could and then I mean, again, he framed it as I'm just a computer nerd and I wanted to see if I could actually do it. Like, um, do you remember the the movie? Uh, uh, what was it? Was it War Games? The Matthew Broderick movie from 1980? Oh, yeah, I didn't. That's I was a little too young for that. Okay, because same thing where it's like he's just he's just a, a, a computer nerd who just was like, I wonder if I could break into to uh to the national defense uh, right. computer. And he was like, oh shit, I did. And now I started World War III. And he's like, that's kind of how it was here. I was just trying to see if I could do it. And the only way I could prove if I could do it is to actually do it. And then and then to further that, once he, once he did win these lotteries, he was like, so I passed it on to my friend Robert Rhodes. He was this businessman. He gave me, he did some favors for me and his businesses were tanking. So I was like, hey, this will help you out. So he, he painted himself as kind of a Robin Hood sort of guy where it's like, I'm stealing this money, but nobody really feels it because it's coming out of this lottery fund anyways. And I'm helping some people and yeah, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a taste myself, but really I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I'm just a, right. you know, I'm just very, I'm a curious, hardworking guy <laughs> that, that yeah. wondered if he could do this and I was able to do it. And then when I did, I just was like, uh, Hey, 
I'm going to help some people out. And the, the AG at that point stopped him and was like, wouldn't the better decision to be to go to your boss and go, hey, I was able to hack our system and program right. it. So we have some flaws. Maybe we should work on that. And he was like, oh, yeah, that totally would have been the better way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of, I, that's kind of, in, that's kind of endearing though, too. It, it is. You know? and, well, because you're just like, wouldn't the, wouldn't have the right thing to be done is told your boss about the, the, the problems at your job. It's like, yeah, but you know, it, yeah, make mistakes. that would have been, <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm confessing it all, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely sure. Yeah. But the other funny thing was the AG was just like, he, he wasn't buying any of it. He thought that it was just, oh, really? He thought it was just Eddie trying to paint himself in a, in a good light during his official proffer or whatever they call it when you're sure doing that sort of thing. To me, I, to me, it's, I think it sounds legit because again, as we know, everybody, we're all programmed wanting to have a positive self image of ourselves. And so the narrative is I, it was a challenge I wanted to see if I could do. And then it's like, okay, so I, so I did it. Yeah, maybe it was a mistake, but I was helping some people out. So you're kind of patting yourself on the back along the way. So again, the, the story he told as recounted in that book lines up with a lot of the stuff that we've looked at in the past. Do you think this is a victimless crime? No, no, I don't. Okay. Um, because uh, there were people who sued different lotteries as a result of this crime because, okay. because as you know, lotteries jackpots increase and once there's a winner, it drops back down to the, to the minimum. Yep. So there's people who won uh, jackpots after the falsely won jackpots and they were like my jackpot should have been, been multiples of what i won but it yeah. wasn't because some jackass rigged the thing and 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 took all my money but also it kind of still feels like a victimless crime because it's like okay so you didn't win 18 million dollars you only won two million dollars crying right. me a fucking river you little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of yeah yeah all right well that's it for this episode remember for this week's mega millions try picking 8 14 32 34 and 67 with a mega ball of 12 and also remember for this week's mega millions try picking 8 14 32 34 and 67 with a mega ball of 12 also remember for this week's mega ball Try picking 8, 14, 32, 34, and 67 with a mega ball of 12. Do you understand what we're telling you, listeners? If you want to drop us a line, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. Caleb, where can people find you out there on the internet landscape? You can find me on LinkedIn at slash Caleb Newquist. Greg. Uh, same thing. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm Greg Kite CPA. Oh My Fraud is written by Greg Kite and myself. Our producer is Zach Frank. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Earmark, you can get CPE. CPE is good if you're an accountant. I love it. Join us next time for more average swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say, Oh My Fraud. Oh My Fraud.